Ready check radio. What's up, Internet? Yes, you got here just in in time, Cannon Fodder. It is time once again for the Relic Grind, Ready Check Radio's Final Fantasy XIV slash Square Enix podcast. And this time we've probably got a bit more on the Square Enix side than we got on the Final Fantasy XIV side. You ever do uh, show notes, put the show notes together? Got a nice show brewing? Give the guys two days to take a look at it, make any additions that they want to talk about. And then have the entire thing upended eight hours before the show goes live. Well, that's what happened today, and you know what? I couldn't be happier about it. It is Halloween, so I am rocking the white mage outfit, ready to go for this week's episode. It's Thursday, 7 p.m., so make sure you're joining us live when you can. Twitch.tv slash readycheckradio. Obviously, you could just come over to readycheckradio.com, the URL right on your screen. If you're watching us uh, or listening to us on Spotify, that's readycheckradio, R-A-I-D-E-O.com. Come on by, hang out, check out the uh, shows you might have missed, and be sure to follow us on Twitch so that you can check us out live when you have the time. I've got a couple gentlemen that are going to go through the news with me. First up, Mr. Chris Montoya. What's up, Tarkov? Greetings, programs. Uh, woke up this morning and basically had to throw out everything I had researched the last two days, and we had to three hours to get this all together. So I'm, I'm hype. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, Let's go. yeah. It's absolutely great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, I'm very happy to be going through it. Also joining us to do so, Mr. Adam Lane. What's up, Kronos? Uh, not much. I'm, I'm dressed as a disappointed NFL fan. <laughs> Your division's doing really well. I mean, really well. <laughs> but but no, I woke up this morning too to the news, uh, which was pretty exciting. Uh, probably read through the thing about four or five times now. Rewatched mm. the trailer, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> you we rewatched the trailer. <laughs> That literally the trailer portion of this has been available for a while. <laughs> I know, but when you read stuff, you might look at it differently. Yeah, you so. might go back and look through things and maybe catch something with a different eye. Uh, I will say right off the bat that I I did not really find anything that I didn't already suspect anyway, uh, re-watching the trailer. But maybe you did. We'll get to that in a little bit here. So let's start with the big news. We're going to start with Final Fantasy 16 today. That's XVI, not XIV, for those of you that your Google uh, autocompletes are just a nightmare for the last month and a half. <laughs> that would be me. Not only did we get a little bit of a, a blog from Naoki Yoshida, producer on Final Fantasy 16 today, you can find that on the PlayStation blog website, but we actually got a website for Final Fantasy 16 itself, na.finalfantasyxvi.com here in the United States. Uh, same everywhere else except obviously the NA prefix changes. And uh, yeah, so Kronos, first off, they, they led the website itself with the trailer. I think what we should do first here is kind of walk through uh, Yoshi P's blog because I think coming back to the site and showing some of the things on screen there will make a little more sense in the context of what Yoshi P had to say. 
So we're going to read this in little parts, and then we're going to give the guys and, and myself chances to chime in on things. Just really starts off with an introduction and saying, hey, we're not going to really talk about much till 2021, but here's a website. <laughs> you know, we don't Word. want to reveal a lot, but here's a site with a bunch of stuff. There's new information, artwork to introduce you to the world, which I think is exactly where we all wanted to start. And they had this to say, Yoshi P had this to say. Uh, Final Fantasy 16's adventure takes place in a land called Velestia, which is studded with colossal mountains of glittering crystal named are called Mother Crystals. These Mother Crystals have towered over the realms around them for generations, blessing them with Aether. This blessing of the Mother Crystals has allowed these realms to thrive and their people to live in comfort. Countless wars have been fought over the Mother Crystals all around the land, leading to the rise of nations such as the Grand Duchy of Rosaria, the Holy Empire of Sambrique, and Kingdom of Wallowed. The Some of these, you know, we're pronouncing for the first time, so forgive my, my lips freaking out some of, on some of them. The Dalmaki, Dalmechian Republic and the Iron Kingdom, each with their own culture and ideology. Ongoing skirmishes have forged an uneasy peace between these nations. But with the emergence of the ruinous blight, that fragile peace is starting to deteriorate. And I think we can stop right there, Kronos, because if you've been looking and waiting for a Final Fantasy return to the crystals, very high fantasy, even if the trailer didn't wasn't enough to make you think that's where they were headed, now you know that's exactly where they're headed. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, the trailer kind of gave it away in that respect. I mean, we kind of knew we were going back to, like, the high-end fantasy kind of stuff and more away from more of the modern things that we're used to in the last few, uh, which I'm happy about. I think it's pretty awesome that they're finally going back to that. Me too. Um, and, and just, like, being able to even see, like, the image of, like, what looks like a world map kind of makes me really excited. I mean, I don't, I don't know, like, how big we're actually going to get yet, which is really hard to say. But I'm hoping that all of that's explorable, which would be really, really cool. And and I already had um, Type Zero vibes pretty heavy before, oh, yeah. and I, it's even more. We so we now. talked about it on this show, particularly when some people were like, "Oh, we might get a more mature." It's like but there have been super <laughs> dark and mature Final Fantasies, Type Zero, uh, and this yeah. was giving us yeah. vibes just from the trailer, Kronos, uh, and we talked about it on this show that we were mm -hmm. getting Type Zero vibes. Yeah, I mean, even just with the crystals and the way this everything's set up with the cities and everything and how they're kind of powered, or at least, like, seems to be that Benefit way. Benefit from, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, like, less machines and things. Like, Type Zero had a lot of that stuff going on. We're not really, it doesn't seem like we're going to have that here. But, uh, you know, the icons and the dominance and stuff, which we'll probably talk about in a sec, yep. really seem to line up with that. Yeah, Tarkov, this kind of leads, you know, right down the the proverbial Final Fantasy garden path. Crystals doing great things, people fighting over crystals, something threatening the crystals, the fighting ensues. And I think that's a good thing. <laughs> a good thing, question mark? Uh, I think we're seeing like a dark side, you know? What's the uh, other side of the coin to the crystals and what they can produce versus, you know, the destruction they can bring with all these icons? Uh, you got Phoenix, you got Shiva, Titan, they can cause some real damage and kill a lot of people. So this is going to be very interesting to see how they go with this story. 
Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of happy about it. I'm kind of happy about it. Of course, we have the blight too, which we don't know what exactly is going oh, yeah. on there. Um, you know, go ahead. I, I got I got a Dragon Age Origins kind of vibe with that. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. To your point, though, about the like the uh, these crystals and the power and stuff like and the icons. I think we we got a little bit of a taste of that, and we're going to talk about that in a, in just a little bit here. That there are some nations, Kronos, that treat these powers quite differently. Uh, mm. uh, some being revered, and some being turned into you know basically warriors. Um, anyway, we've got some specifics on characters now too. Um, particularly one thing we had speculated so far. By the way, reading through all this, like all of our speculation was dead on. Like, almost all of it. We had one toss-up question, like Phoenix or Efreet, who was, we, we mm -hmm. thought, we leaned towards Phoenix, but a lot of our a lot of our guesses, Kronos and Tark, were actually pretty spot on uh, in here. Mm -hmm. So three characters that we know so far. We know our main protagonist. His name is Clive Rosefield or Rossfield. There's only one S, so I'm going to go with Rosefield. Uh, main protagonist of the game, firstborn son of the Archduke of Rosaria, Clive is a shield who protects his younger brother, Joshua, who is the dominant of the Phoenix. That was like the toss-up one we had, but we were all leaning towards Phoenix. Uh, Joshua bestowed the blessing of the Phoenix upon him, giving Clive the ability to wield a part of the icon's fire. However, as the story unfolds, he is swept up into a great tragedy. Also something we talked about, Kronos, with the trailer and seeing like Phoenix wings mm -hmm. uh, on an attack. That does seem to be exactly what's going on here. And it's confirmed that the young knight at the beginning of the trailer and the tattooed man at the end of the trailer, they are both Clive. So we were right on that front where it looks like either through flashback or through actually progressing with this character, we are going to age from a younger to an older protagonist. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of those are pretty easy guesses, right? I, yep, I think so far, yeah, are... nothing mysterious. You had to, I, I would say for some of the ones we made about like using the icon's power, you really did have to stop the, the tape and look yep. uh, a little bit. But yeah, for most of these huge story beats, pretty easy we weren't the only ones that made those predictions right uh I, th I think the biggest thing for me is uh we're it's confirmed that this is his brother now yes uh, we didn't yeah. really know that for sure a lot of people kind of guessed that too but we didn't really know and and now that like i guess he, the whole thing is he uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be the dominant but he ends up, it ends up being like his younger brother and now he's like kind of sworn to protect him which is probably more than likely going to lead to the tragedy, right? I mean, we yeah. So that. that whole sentence right there. However, as the story <laughs> unfolds, he is swept up into a great tragedy. So Joshua's getting murked, Tark. Tark. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the only way you can really read that. Is poor little Joshua ain't long for this world. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was like, yep, he's not making out of Act One of the game. That's he's just done. So don't get too attached. Hey. We know a little bit about Joshua, too. Joshua is Clive's younger brother, also the dominant of the Phoenix. Dominants are special beings who have the power of an icon residing within them. As a dominant, Joshua transforms into the Phoenix, right? So this is different than we thought might be going, you know, like a typical summoner story where dominant summons. And they actually transform, or at least in Joshua's case, into the Phoenix, 
uh, and fights to protect his nation. Even though he was born into royalty, Joshua treats everyone with kindness, but he does have his childlike side too, with a particular dislike of carrots. And that surprisingly comes up multiple times. I'm not, not exactly sure the significance of the carrots here, but this does come up a few different times in all of this new content, Tarkov. Does he, you know, have carrots and dislikes it so much he starts getting angry and the, the dominant comes out like, why do you feed me carrots? <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it is a, like, okay, fine. Maybe it's just like a cute little character trait, Kronos, but I don't, I don't I know. It's it pointed out a few different times here. Yeah, it's weird, but I'm pretty sure it's just like one of those yeah. character trait things. I think they, I don't know why they want to push that point home so bad, but it seems like they do. Uh, Ninja uh, Panda saying maybe gets kidnapped or sacrificed. Well, sacrifice would still go in line with, you know, killed. Uh, I don't think kidnapped. I don't think you refer to kidnapped as a tragedy unless it ends tragically. Well, um, so we, we have to tragic. assume because it's Yoshi P, right? That there's got to be some misleading things here, right? It, it can't all be obvious. It cannot be. So is there any chance that, like, the kid is not good? Is that possible? Oh, so you, you're you saying, uh, like, maybe start? he turns traitor-type deal. Or maybe, Rather... like, he, when he transforms, he just can't control something, and maybe he's forced to fight his brother or something. I mean, there, there could be. I don't know. There's also the girl that you haven't gone over yet. Yeah, we haven't gotten we to Jill yet. And we and not not Jill Valentine. It's a different Jill. It's a different Jill. Yeah, and, we, and we barely see her in the trailer at all. Like, she makes, like, a couple appearances, and that's yeah. it. They and they're really sidebar appearances. We don't actually, like, see her doing anything, uh, much yeah. of anything. Uh, so let's bring Jill in, and then we'll kind of finish off the characters here. Uh, the two brothers find a confidant in Jill Warwick, who was raised alongside them. At an early age, Jill was taken from her home in the Northern Territories, a nation that swore loyalty to the Grand Duchy of Rosaria, to become a ward of the Duchy, securing peace between the two realms. She spends her childhood years with Clive and Joshua as a, rem a member of the Rossfield household. So... Not a whole lot on the Jill front, Kronos, at all here besides, yeah, you, she was relocated, but it's all good. Yeah, I think there's got to be more to her. Uh, absolutely. I, I, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think there's got to be like, she's going to be a big deal, and I feel like they're not, they're leaving a lot of things. Yeah, out I feel like on, she's, she's going to be a big deal, Tark, because of the fact of how badly she's being undersold here. This just feels like, oh, yeah, that girl you saw in the trailer, here's her name, don't worry about her. Because we're going to have to worry about her at some point. They're just pulling from everything. This has Game of Thrones vibes where, you know, they're taking a war to uh, make some peace with another country. Uh, yeah, they're, but they're really just keeping her low. She's going to have a major role in the story. And I'm glad that it's not just, you know, all male cast. I'm, I'm glad that there's a, a major female person uh, in this game so she's going to be a major player I, I have a question actually for you do, do you think that the characters that they've shown now right we've seen these three characters do you think that this kind of confirms that we just have the one guy playable yeah I thought the same thing when I was looking through the, the website that I think if there was more of a party at play even if it was Final Fantasy 15-ish party rather than you know full ff party i i think we would have seen a little more allusion to that if not directly pointing to that because i'm pretty sure yoshi p knows that that was like one of the number one questions and there's really no downside to revealing that uh right. if if there 
you know, oh, just quell that rumor. Yeah, 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 you're going to have parties. Um, the fact that it's not mentioned yet, even though we do know three what we assume are going to be major players in the story, I think, yeah, we're probably going to have our first, I mean, yeah, I'm 15, set that aside, but our first single character uh, Final Fantasy mainline series here. Do you, what do you think, uh, Tark? I don't want it. Uh, I can kind of understand it, and they can really hone in on one person and, and really develop them, um, and then give everyone kind of ancillary um, subject points. Uh, and God, I'm losing my words here. Um, yeah, the, I want a team. I like having a team, uh, even if it's bad, like Final Fantasy 15. Um, we saw what, we could, they, what they can do with the team in an action setting with Seven Remake. Um, do we have that? Right, but <laughs> I think you also take a look at and, and Q says in chat, why not both? I mean, yeah, certainly maybe there they could do a you know it's mostly single player, but at these particular points, you have people that fight with you, and you have you know a modicum of control over them and, and things like that to to do certain things. I, I think there was a little bit of a danger here, Kronos, where yes. You had the option of doing something like Final Fantasy VII Remake or even something like Final Fantasy XV, but you have a very different team working on this game that they're just not a team known for recycling the same uh, ideas when it comes to systems, when it comes to core systems. You know, Yoshi P is not really known for that. Uh, well, I mean, he had to use some systems <laughs> because they couldn't yeah. blow up the entire game, but... I don't. I just don't see Yoshi P sitting there saying, "Yeah, let's just use the battle system from another, uh, another Final Fantasy," because it was really successful when it came out six months ago. Uh, I could see him looking at it objectively from the outside, being the fan that he is too. By the way, an important note of how much of a fan of the franchise he was before he ever worked on it, and saying, "You know what? There's not been a Final Fantasy like this, except." arguably maybe you would count 15 in this vein since the party was you know ancillary doing their own thing this is where the series needs to go and while i can talk i'm with you i like party-based combat yeah hell i'd like if we got another mainline that was uh, turn-based combat but i i just or don't think final fantasy has always been a franchise even if it's not ahead of the curve it's always moving with the curve um and trying to bring things like the summons with them so that there's those common threads but it is moving along with the, the games of the times and honestly you know turn-based combat just ain't it anymore as much as I would love it to be uh, and I'm sure they'll do things with it I just don't know if we'll see a mainline series do that anymore uh Kronos yeah I feel like I've heard this from people like people say that um Final Fantasy is this thing where oh you just slap a title on it or whatever but isn't that like what it's always been right like it's it's always been like the themes that carry forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and I think they're still doing that, right? We, we this is still like you could watch you can't watch that trailer and not know what that is. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys though. I would love to have a party. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna miss that, and that's gonna probably be a point they're gonna have to address at some point because there's no way no one asks them that question. Yeah, um, and and Prism in chat is bringing up a good point. The party adds diversity, like combat right. diversity. I yeah. think they're probably leaning more towards the icon abilities that Clive yeah. receives 
to be the diversity point in combat to encourage exploration and experimentation in the combat system rather than the combination of you know let's do this with four red mages let's do this with four black mages let's see what this all looks like i think they're kind of pushing more for towards that i'd like to see party stuff i just there isn't anything i've seen now that makes or read now the trailer had me kind of this is probably single protagonist now i'm i'm almost 100% convinced yep. that it's single protagonist same Tarkov, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of on the I'm fence leaning, still. I, I'm I'm on the fence, but I'm leaning towards this single protagonist. Um, you know, but that point brought up of different abilities bestowed from the dominance. I mean, we haven't seen any of the game systems. There could be whole skill trees with Shiva dominant abilities, uh, Phoenix dominant abilities, Titan dominant. Um, so they could really have your variety with those abilities if there's some sort of tree or or. Uh, progression with those dominants. Yeah, and you can't yeah. escape the fact that the combat lead combat designer oh, brought in yeah. was yeah. was from Devil May Cry. Yeah, which uh, is basically what DMC is, right? You get the yep, different weapons, exactly. you get the new combos. It's, it's I think it's going to be very akin to that. I, I agree. Yep, Fantasy May Cry. Um, we speaking of the icons and the dominants, we finish off Yoshi P's uh, little blog post with for those familiar with the Final Fantasy series, you may know icons as summons, and they are without a doubt the most destructive and lethal creatures in Valestia, wielding powers that can level nations. Icons reside within special beings called dominants. How dominants are treated depends mm. on their realm, something I mentioned earlier. In some, they are revered as royalty while in others, they are sent to the front lines as weapons of war. In the Awakening trailer, icons such as the Phoenix, Titan, Shiva, and Ifrit make an appearance. As for questions about how many other icons there are in Velestia, who they are, and what will happen when they come to blows, well, you'll just have to wait to, for a future reveal to find <laughs> out. I hope you get the chance to visit the newly launched Final Fantasy 16 teaser website as you'll find plenty more information and artwork there. Our next big announcement is in 2021. Please look forward to it and please look forward to Final Fantasy 16. I don't think, Kronos, there's anything there that really surprises us on this front, though. No, not at all. There was one part of the blog. I, did you know that he worked on Final Fantasy V? Because I was not aware. Uh, in a he, very he, ancillary way, though, if I remember right. I didn't see yeah. that in the blog. I think it's like he mentions it very briefly, and I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't even know that he's been there that long. I thought like 14 was like his first big thing. Or 11, I guess 11, then 14. Uh, I think that was um, the director, that actually, that was Yeah, on I don't think that's Yoshi P. Oh, okay, it was a different guy. I just yeah, misread yeah, yeah. that If, if yeah, you're talking that's, about, that's because on the website, the, at the bottom, they do put those two introductor, in introduction letters for Naoki Yoshida and Hiroshi Takai that were posted back when we did get the Awakenings trailer. Both of those are reproduced on the website as well. Oh, okay. And I think I you're talking about Takai. Got it. Yeah, I just misread that then. That makes sense. I know why you did it. Now, I flipped over to look at it. Yeah, I, hmm. I know why you, did, you read it by column. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is in here very weird. We'll show you when we get to it. <laughs> I see what happened. Uh, so on that note, I think we should pop over and take a look at the website here. So we've so, got this amazing splash page, guys, with Clive mm -hmm. and Ifrit and Phoenix and the, the duchy in the background. 
And this just looks incredible. Yeah, he looks sick. He does. Uh, he does. All the he, art looks good. He does look very Dante. He, he I got, gonna be. He does. <laughs> he does look very Dante. <laughs> Fantasy may cry. <laughs> be prepared to beat. Uh, of course, we have the Awakening trailer. We're not going to play that. We showed that in a previous episode uh, in our uh, incoming data pane before, and obviously you can see that on on YouTube. But we are going to stop here at the world and take a look Small at. Note. Go ahead. Um, if you try to watch the video, you have to put in your date of birth. If you put put in that you're under eighteen, you don't get to watch the video. <laughs> well, that kind of makes sense. Or they wouldn't ask for your age, I don't think. <laughs> well, I mean, does this maybe a leading more credence to rated M? Uh, I think that's basically confirmed. Yeah, even though they I'm haven't pretty like, sure that's confirmed it yet. Yeah, I think it, the trailer alone, just the amount of blood in the trailer alone. I mean, it's got the Peggy provisional title too, and and granted, Heaven's Word also had the 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 more mature Peggy provisional title before it ended up getting knocked down too. But yeah, I'm pretty sure this one, the splash of blood at two different points in the trailer, is probably what. Uh, and made it a YouTube mature video. Hmm. Um, all right, so here we have the world. This is Valestia, land blessed in the light of the mother crystals. Uh, really, I'm not going to read all of this to you because most of it is, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll point out differences along the way between the three of us here, but most of this text uh, on the website and in a lot of places is exactly what was in Yoshi P's blog. So they kind of, copy pasted in some of the areas they do point out here though in the mother crystals that you could use the aether to conjure magic uh that let people live in comfort and plenty and uh great powers have grown up around each mother crystal so making those a little more descriptive of cities being centralized around these crystals again we see the blight as well um then we get the icons and their dominance which we've just talked about and then we get this world map showing us the realms of Valestia. And I think, Kronos, this is where the news starts to get pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this part was the part I probably read about eight times just to kind of go through and kind of figure stuff out. Because a lot of these parts, like a lot of the stuff they're going to talk about as far as each region is pretty in-depth, like a lot more in-depth than I thought they'd go right now. Yeah, it doesn't look like much. Uh, and I do think it's funny that there are redactions in it. Uh, yeah, they're trying but, to keep the dominant se- secret. Yeah. I have some pretty good guesses as to what oh, both of those yeah, are. Yeah, we're going to yeah. go into those because I do too. Uh, <laughs> so we've got the Grand Duchy of Rosaria. Long ago, a group of small independent provinces in western Valestia, Valestia <laughs> found strength and unity and formed the Grand Duchy of Rosaria. After years of relative prosperity, the duchy now finds itself threatened by the spread of the blight, a threat that left unchecked would doubtless usher the, ruin, uh, the realm to ruin. Rosaria draws its aether from Drake's Breath, a mother crystal situated on a volcanic island off the coast. The dominant of the phoenix, Icon of Fire, is enthroned excuse me, as Archduke when they come of age. So the duchy, one of them that treats their dominant like royalty. They're enthroned as the Archduke as soon as they, they reach age here. And I don't think that uh, that's surprising given what we saw of Joshua and Clive in the trailer. All right, I'm glad you gentlemen agree. <laughs> Moving I on. I concur. The Holy Empire of Sambrique. Sambrique is the largest theocratic force in Velestia. The Empire's holy capital of Oriflame is built around Drake's head, the mother crystal that blesses the surrounding provinces with abundant aether. 
The people happily take advantage of this, living in comfort and security under the watchful gaze of the Holy Emperor, whom they worship as the living incarnation of the one true deity. The dominant of Redacted serves as the Empire's champion, taking to the field in times of war to rout its enemies. Thoughts on this one, Kronos? I think it's Alexander. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's my guess. Mm. I'm, I'm, I, it's a pretty educated guess, right? Holy is mentioned about five or six times in there. Um, well, so I, I, I actually, I'm not quite as sure as you seem to be on this one. Okay. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to, to get this one uh, correct. Do you have, do you have a guess here, Tark? I'm going Shiva, um, especially with the trailer. Um, Rosario or maybe another group going after what we thought was the Empire um, and going after Shiva's dominant. I'm going to lean on Shiva. See, I don't know, and I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show you why here. Let's go back to this footage. <clears throat> so we're we're gonna end up talking about six empires here. We're on like number two and three. We're gonna talk about these in a second. But if you look at their sigils, mm -hmm. you know uh, the grand of Rosaria, the Grand Duchy of Rosaria has very obviously got like a phoenix here in the in mm -hmm. their banner sigil. And then I jump over to the Kingdom of Wallowed, uh, claims the entirety of Ash, the eastern half of Valestia as its dominion. Kingdom's control of the continent has oft been tested by the orcs and other beastmen who make their home there, but the current ruler of the realm, dominant of Redacted, has succeeded in quelling their rebellions. Using the power of the kingdom's mother crystal, Drake's spine, this new king has built up a mighty army with which he now seeks to test the borders of his neighbors. And then you look at this sigil, and this is very, I could see an Odin in this, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, when he's in Slepnir form. Um, or, uh, or, or an Ixion because we have seen Ixion without the very like unicorn stylized, you know, headpiece in Final Fantasies in the past. But with the color scheme, I kind of lean more towards an, an Odin slash Slepner uh, on this side here. Uh, I don't know. Am I nuts? No, no, I think both of those are good points. It looks more like Ixion to me. I think it very I well think... could be. Because yeah. we, have seen her, we, ha we have seen we we have seen Ixion without the the unicorn like you know bladed big headpiece thing protru protruding forward, uh, we've seen it protruding back instead, and it seems to be a very big headpiece protruding back here. So uh, Ixion mm -hmm. is was my first thought with possibly Odin Slepnir right behind it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. That's kind of where I'm at too. I can see the Odin because you got the six hooves. Um... But yeah, my my initial thought is more element based, so I'm st I'm kind of thinking lightning. So then you would be more in what Ixion. An, an Odin an Ixion camp than an Odin camp. Yeah, yes. Put put me down for Ixion. So coming <laughs> back then, I don't know what I see in the banner here. <laughs> I see a couple different things, and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that yeah. I see a couple things here, Kronos. What do you see? I mean, the, the woman's the first thing I see, right, at yeah. the top. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing that says Alexander can't be female. Uh, but there's also, like, the dragons. Yeah, these, like, double dragons down here at the bottom. But the dragon seems like a theme across every nation when you as you read it. Because, like, there's these drakes, these pieces of a drake, right? Which then also makes me think Bahamut. Yeah, I'm you sure got Drake's breath, later. Drake's spine. Um, That's the name of Drake's head. Yeah. Those are the, the names of the actual mother crystals. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, they could do a whole lot. I mean, my gut, just with the element, is why I'm going Alexander more than anything. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Like that, the flags obviously matter. They wouldn't have them here. And and like you said, like you could clearly see the phoenix in one. And so we can definitely draw conclusions from those as well. So it's possible. That it's so something else. And are I you, don't know. Are, are you then Tark kind of seeing the the woman at the top as the the Shiva representation? Yeah. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm seeing. Let's go, Shiva. Hype, hype. I mean, well, here's the thing, though. We do know one of them has to be Shiva. And she's yep. actually not mentioned at and all. And she's not mentioned in any of these at all. In fact, yep. uh, two of these remaining three, they don't even deal with dominance. Uh, well, I mean, they do, but <laughs> uh, yeah, right. they don't deal them with them in the in the best way. Uh, so let's finish off here. The Dalmechian uh, Republic is made up of five states from which the members of its ruling parliament are drawn. Its mother crystal, Drake's Fang, is half hidden in the heart of a mountain range. The Republic's control over it and its aether securing the obedience of the large part of southern Velestia. Uh, the dominant of Titan, icon of Earth, is installed as a special advisor to parliament and has a significant say in its decision-making. So we got as they should. We got Phoenix, which we saw in the trailer. We got mm -hmm. Titan, which we saw in the trailer. Yep. We know that there's a war between uh that Shiva has a dominant and that people are hunting either to kill or to take that dominant. So assuming that dominant is allied with one of the six uh locations we see here, it has to be the Holy Empire. Because well, so all Go, nope, go, go ahead, Kronos. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but also what throws a wrench into it, right? Is uh, we know Ifrit isn't like supposed to be there. Like there's somehow right more dominant. That, that's why I put the caveat of if that dominant is allied. Right. So, I mean, it's a good chance that, and, and obviously we know the Shiva fight takes place in the future part of the story because he's already grown up at that point when they show that in the trailer. Yeah. So it's it's possible that by they get to by the time they get to that point, there's way more of these icons than there were previously, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, and that's why I made the important, I think, distinction that if they are the dominant for Shiva is actually allied with anybody, it would have to be the Holy Empire or there's other city-states we don't know about yet, I guess being another potential possibility, Tarkov. Or another possibility is, you know, we don't know what kind of timeline we have going. Uh, maybe they've captured the Shiva's dominant and with them capturing it they've snuffed out that other territory all possibilities that's why I love this show uh, mm. finishing off we got the Iron Kingdom a small group of islands off the coast of Storm the western half of Velestia's twin realms here the crystalline orthodox an extreme faith that worships crystals reigns supreme the Iron Kingdom controls Drake's breath the mother crystal that sits at the heart of one of their islands Long a source of contention with neighboring Rosaria, isolated and aloof from the mainland nations, the Iron Blood speak their own language. Orthodox doctrine judges dominance to be unholy abominations, and any unlucky enough to be born on the islands are executed. Uh, I would assume that we could maybe safely assume that it is the Iron Kingdom we see in the trailer hunting down Shiva's dominant here, uh, Kronos. Yeah, I think that's a, probably a good, a good guess. Um, it seems safe. obviously, yeah. I mean, based on what you're reading, they, they don't they don't like them, right? So it's possible that, that they got to the point where they're just going to everybody else's like 
places and hunting them down. So here's the the question: Is this our main protagonist or our main antagonist? I mean, Tarkov, the the ones we see in the trailer that maybe aren't the nicest that keep referring to things as the Empire and and things like that. I, I, Iron Kingdom certainly fits, I think. Uh, it fits. Um, their, their disdain for the dominance and having to hunt them down and uh, maybe they just got an itch to, you know, let's wipe them all out. Um, let's cleanse this and, and stop the reliance on these dominants and, and the mother crystals. Um, but that's where the Ifrit really throws a wrench in things. Um, is it maybe a child from the Iron Kingdom that got snuck away when the mom found out, hey, you're a dominant, you have powers. Uh, time and the Throw her into hiding, that. yeah. Yeah. You know, the Shiva dominance starts in the Iron Kingdom and gets snuck out before she's Maybe that too. before she's unlucky enough to be born there and killed. And now the Iron Kingdom is on the prowl to hunt. It totally makes sense to oh. me. Or the Ifrit dominant as well. True. Uh, and, we, the, and we know we know the main characters with like if we're assuming that this is the same people, we know the main characters with them as well, right? Yes. Yeah. He's he's like there at the beginning. So yeah. Uh, the Crystalline Dominion uh, sits at the heart of Valestia, built around uh, the tallest of all the Mother Crystals, Drake's Tail. Many bloody battles were fought for control of this small plot of land due to its strategic importance till the Warring Realms finally agreed to an armistice. As part of the peace treaty, the islands around Drake's Tail became an autonomous dominion led by a council of representatives from the surrounding nations, each realm enjoying equal claim to the Mother Crystals' blessing. No dominant makes their home here. So welcome back to Juno, uh, I guess, <laughs> if you played Final Fantasy XI. I mean, that seems exactly like what we've got going on here. The the Grand Duchy of Juno Neutral in the land. middle of the world, represented by all the different uh, factions and city-states. Uh, also, uh, for those for those to want to check it out, uh, follow Ethis on Twitter, if you're not familiar with Ethis' mm. work. Uh, Ethis has started putting together lore stuff for Final Fantasy 16 and has started with placing these places on the map that you see here uh, in the background image based on those descriptions making very educated guesses on where most of these places will be. So before we leave the realms, gentlemen, I'll give you a final sum up of questions or things you've spotted along the way uh, for the six different realms that have been revealed so far. Tarkoth, I guess we'll go to you first, man. Uh, well, with the Crystalline Dominion, um, the, their banner has four different you know, icons from the other banners. Rosario, Rosaria is not on that. Um, I'm thinking that maybe the first part of the game is, you know, the execution of Joshua starts this grand tragedy, and Rosaria just gets obliterated. Uh, wait, wait, wait. How, where are you not seeing Rosaria on there? Rosaria is right here. No, in the Crystalline Dominions banner. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Where is that? Yeah, it's like to the left. It's, you can kind it's of to see the, the left of the square. In the center it's of on, the crystalline. I'm assuming the holy, the holy ones in the top is, is at the top. I uh, see. I was oh, okay. I was seeing yeah, that as the Iron Kingdom. So no, I, Rosaria's I the to the bigger. left. Holy Empire is north. Yeah. Uh, Iron uh, Kingdom. Yeah, so, Iron Kingdoms isn't Iron there, Kingdoms but that's because they don't. They're they're not right. fully fledged <sighs> republic. Maybe they're just upset that they're not part of the Dominion. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. why they start things off. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that the Dominion probably has something like 
to do with like protecting the icons and they probably don't like that yeah would be my guess yeah anything else uh from from you uh chronos on this front no i think i think we covered pretty much everything i wanted to talk about Tarkov? So. did we get uh, you to other than my uh error there you know i'm, I'm good I was like, wait, what is he talking about? I thought about? that was like, the Iron King. I, I, I was like, oh, that's the Iron Kingdom. Uh, here at the bottom, by the way, of the homepage is the message from the developers. And yeah, if you read this, like, because it's <laughs> there's no page, not a nice page break or a line or anything. You should put a line right here. Boop. So you probably read straight down this column and then straight down this column. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Yoshi P was not on five. Okay. Uh, anyway. I definitely just read it wrong, so. Uh, we've got another page here, and again, not a lot that we haven't already talked about here, so I'm not going to uh, go through this in nearly as much detail because we basically just have the bios we were given for Jill, Joshua, and Clive in Yoshi P's blog, but I'll give you one more chance if you want to talk about anything specific to these cats. Uh, we'll start with Kronos this time. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we got less information here than from like the city states and stuff. Yeah. So there's like less to go on other than the fact that like they're related and they grew up together and that he dislikes carrots. That's about it. So <laughs> he just, he loves them. Uh, they do re they do word something in Joshua's a little bit differently uh, with the inclusion of him lamenting that it was him that got these uh, abilities being frail and bookish instead of his stronger, braver brother, Clive. Uh, and then, yeah, um, he quails at the sight of carrots on his dinner plate. So a little more specific <laughs> there. He is holding like a little, it looks like a pop uh, of some type there uh, in the picture. Uh, and But it says, but carrots become the least of his concern when he too is swept up into the tragic events that change Clive's life forever. Uh, yeah, I, I, Josh, you're gone, buddy. I, I don't know in what way, but... You're gone, pal. I just don't see Josh making it very <laughs> long into this you. game. Yeah. Uh, and then Jill. Whoop. Yeah, look. Oh, yeah, sweet little girl. Yeah, whoop. Two sentences. Jill's definitely got a bigger part to play in all this. Mm -hmm. All in all, great information. Go check it out. Great art, obviously, as I'm sure that doesn't shock anybody uh, on this panel. Uh, but I was super excited to see this today. I still belong maybe wrongly, to the camp that this is a lot further along than people might believe. Uh, and I still think that a, a a 2022 launch date is is what we'll be looking at here. Kronos, am I nuts or are you still kind of in that camp as well? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're nuts at all. I mean, they, they've obviously been working on this for four years probably or so is, is what I'd have to guess. And so I imagine they're further along. And I imagine the news we're going to get early 2021 is probably going to be pretty big like at least a new trailer maybe like some actual like in-depth gameplay a new and if that lines up you're it's your your timeline is going to be pretty accurate i think a, a new trailer that chronos can use to put himself to bed every night because <laughs> he's watched it like 900 times tarkov i can't wait you still think in 2022 uh, I said before, late 2021 uh, yeah, for holidays, you were ahead or of maybe us. early 2022. Um, this, you know, I'm not gonna put out a website this soon unless it's it's right there around the corner. So I'm sticking to my guns. The the holiday 2021 or really early 2022. 
All right. Well, there's your 16 news in a nutshell. Go check out the site. Go check out all the cool art. Go check out the map. Uh, and it's a bunch of more fun stuff for us to speculate. Let's move on to some Final Fantasy XIV. Not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we're, I've trimmed these uh, a little bit as well here, so we're not maybe not covering all of these now that we put Final Fantasy XVI in since it broke this morning. Uh, really small patch. I figure we'll just go through a couple of the points in it, mostly fixes, stuff like that, of course. But recruitment time for Castrum in uh, Bozja has been extended from one minute to six minutes. And while I think that needed there needed to be an increase there, I don't I think sixteen might or six six minutes might be a little much there, Tark. Yeah, I agree. Um it it was definitely needed for the people that were in uh critical engagements and then maybe got a chance to go into a duel. Um if it popped at the wrong time, you're you're like, okay, you get to wait another hour plus. So uh, a change was needed, but six minutes does seem a little much. I see Kronos over there shaking his head too. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the idea was right. I think you hit a spot on like the people were going into critical engagements and then cash would pop and then they'd miss it. And I think the reason they, I guess they wanted it to be more rather so than less. So they kind of went overboard because they want the people to be able to finish their critical engagement before they go in. I mean, you're looking at prep time anyways going in there. So like the extra couple of minutes isn't that big a deal, I don't think. But it, I mean, it probably didn't need to be six minutes. Probably yeah. could have been like four. Yeah, six minutes. You got enough time to go make a cup of coffee. <laughs> Come on back. Yep. Make a sandwich. Yeah. We'll see. Good time. We'll see. I, we'll see if anybody complains about it. I'm sure the people getting in at five minutes and 50 seconds are going to think it's great. Uh, <laughs> the, the people that were there with, uh, you know, one minute and five seconds in probably aren't going to like this all that much. Uh, but one minute was definitely too small. So uh, kill it with fire. Visual patterns got updated a little bit. Uh, for uh, to the dead leaves damage area to improve colorblind support. That's always good. Description for Bosgen earrings. This is funny, by the way. I love I love this. Mm, yeah. Uh, the description used to be increases ex uh, experience earned by thirty percent when level eighty and below. And I remember Kronos, you talking about these earrings on the show and what a great boon they could be. Mm -hmm. The correct description apparently <laughs> should have been. Increases experience earned by 10% when level 80 and below. The effect increases experience earned by 10% when 80 or below was activated in a hotfix performed on October 15th. So it was already fixed. <laughs> you've only yeah, been they, getting 10% for a while, but you've yeah, been thinking you got 30%. They did make it known, uh, but the text, if you, I should say they made it known for people like us. Right, right. Yeah, you had to kind yeah. of be plugged in, I guess. Yeah, you have to be a little plugged in to have caught this one. Um, although I have to, I have to think that like if you're not plugged in uh, to this extent to have seen this and, and know that it was happening, then you probably didn't notice the difference between ten and thirty percent anyway. <laughs> right. Um, because bonus is bonus, so that's been fixed for you. Uh, the monster feathered rainbow. Uh, in the skirmish, waste the rainbow, sometimes moved out of the battle area, making it impossible to complete. I've seen videos on this. Did it happen to any of you? It didn't happen to me, it. but I've seen videos of it. Yeah, I haven't even seen it, so. Oh, okay. It didn't, it didn't happen to me, but I was outside when it did happen. So you have the critical engagement, and then you're outside of it, but then the boss is outside of it too, so you're like, oh my god, what the hell? Uh, do I have to do anything now? So yeah, it, <laughs> it was very interesting, um, and you can't really do anything except 
you know, either wait the timeout or return and, and travel back to the beginning of the zone. And this is where I'm sure those of you that are uh, have fought this and had it happen are hoping I'll say it was fixed. Uh, it's not. It's nope. uh, still causing a little bit of an issue. They haven't fixed it, but they've patched it to have it happen less. Yeah. Which is kind of a really weird way of saying mm -hmm. I, I don't think they're entirely sure what's causing it. I think they have suspicions on a couple causes and were able to address some of them, but they weren't able to squash this one entirely. That's what I gather from that. It, it, they haven't really nailed down what's causing it um, because if they can nail down what's causing it, then they can you know fish out that root problem uh, and put a, instead of just a Band-Aid fix, an actual coded fix. Uh, we also, last week, this was um, uh, early last week there. We didn't cover it on the show, though, because uh, we had a whole lot of other stuff to cover. So since we had, well, we thought we had a few to a few extra minutes on today's show. I wanted to put it in here. So we're just kind of have to buzz through this one and get your your takes on it. We had a, an interview on uh, on the actual Final Fantasy XIV website, uh, one of their blog interviews. They're starting a new series of them. Uh, with main scenario writer Banri Oda. I thought it was a nice interview. Go read it. I mean, it's not like horribly insightful and, and full of like spoilers and things, but I always like these behind the scenes, getting to know some of the people that aren't Yoshi P, you know, uh, or aren't the director of a particular game. And I thought this was a pretty cool interview, particularly when they did talk about Kronos that he felt relieved they even got 5.3 out of the door. Uh, not out of the door in a reasonable time frame, out of the door, just out the door, period, that it even made it out the door. There was a lot of relief from the team. Yeah, I can imagine that, right? With, like, COVID hitting and everything moving to their, like, homes and stuff, and everything's, like, in a Zoom meeting at that point. I can understand that. Because, I mean, they put a lot of time and love into this game. And uh, when you get that stress, it kind of makes it a little bit harder to do. So I'm happy for them, and I'm glad that, like, I think it came out all things considered pretty great. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and uh, Oda, Oda mentions that too. Tarkoth saying, you know, just it's tremendously well received. Thank you so much, and everybody being patient and stuff. What I think is the best part of this interview is that <laughs> Henry Oda uh, basically fluked into this job. <laughs> Like totally accidentally got into scenario writing first and then in this particular job at Square Enix. So he tells this whole story about he was writing, he was on a team that wrote strategy guides for arcade games and they decided for one particular game they wanted to put like a three-page short story of these characters in the arcade game at the end of the strategy guide. But all the contracts they had with writers and everything fell through, and now they have three blank pages at the end. So he was like, yeah, sure, how bad could it be? I'll write a short story. Uh, sent it in. The makers of the arcade game were like, that's great. No problem. We approve it. And so they you know, fully fleshed it out, put it in there. That's how he started being a like scenario writer <laughs> at all. Then just goes, fell into it. Right, just fell into it. And then goes to apply for Square Enix, where he thinks... He's getting a job to probably just like write Japanese copy on a website. You know, that's the writing job he thinks he's applying for. 
Uh, as he <laughs> as he gets the job, they're like, "Yeah, you could write scenarios, right? Because you're going to be making quests and things like that." And he's just like, "Yeah, sure, I could." <laughs> and just ends well, up. He says that the job posting was just someone that can write in Japanese. It wasn't even like descriptive of what the job was actually going to be. Yeah. So he's like, "Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, not a problem." Yeah, so then he just like, thought okay. he was going to be doing copy for like Square Enix's main site, <laughs> like just generic print copy. <laughs> One of the questions. Oh, <laughs> give us a story for all these characters get on it <laughs> yeah just write a scenario for these characters um he did bring up fan fest though and that was something that he was uh, a little upset about that not being able to do that because he thought that was very very cool and i did want to ask your guys kind of take on it like obviously you know the only real way to do a fan fest right now is digital but like can you make that as exciting as being there no you're just not no you're not going to attain that level but what can you do to make it? I don't know. I, I'll be honest here. I love BlizzCon. I get bored watching BlizzCon. Uh, even when it's the panels, it's just, you know, there's such a hype at being there, even if it's just sitting watching the panels versus watching digital BlizzCon. It's not that I don't enjoy it and I don't like getting the information out of it, but if it's going to be solely and they don't have to focus on that because they're focused on the event there and the digital streaming is just a plus but if you make these things where they're digital only you've got to find more creative ways to engage the audience at that point to get hype for anything that isn't just new content information and i i honestly i don't know how you do it uh any suggestions so i think this is probably going to end up just being like a really big live letter right it's probably what they're gonna do like you know they're gonna yeah. have panels and such like that i really hope that they do something in game though i think that would be a really cool way to do it is if there's some kind of events in game only during that period of time that we can do or, so, or something like that something exclusive like that to make it feel fun Great. otherwise yeah it's just Great. gonna be a so big you want them to letter. break the servers and throw up three thousand player queues <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it'll sure, be not get X pack dropping, right? I mean, cues when the X packs drop aren't. I mean, they're not great, but they're not unworkable. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there there is a lot of pressure on servers at that point if they do that. I, I think there's a lot of pressure on them to do something fan fest esque, Tark. But how do you do it without it just being to to Kronos's point another live letter? It's something you already do. Yeah, and I haven't experienced a fan fest myself. I was hoping that this year would be the first year. Um, fortunately, COVID, you know, ruined that. But, you know, I've tuned in for the pre previous panels and the live letters, um, and then that's all I do, and then I go on with my day. Uh, what they're going to do to make it exciting, I, I think Corona's right. Maybe you just tie it in with something happening in the game. Yeah, maybe you get uh, high cues, um, but we see that when we get an expansion launch anyway, so... Um, I think that would be an exciting way to kind of cross promote that. Fortnite concerts, I think, is the key here. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, don't. God, dear God, no. don't do it. Mm -mm. Don't do it. Uh, I thought the picture in this interview, by the way, of like all the things fans send is was super cute. Like for Valentine's so Day, awesome. just like boxes of chocolates and hearts and stuffed animals and things like that. Uh, and Oda does talk about getting a lot more of those through the COVID thing. But I thought particularly like poignant here was like they have staff, right? That we don't know, you know, people that work and develop a particular character, a few particular characters, assist on a scenario. 
And one of the points that Oda brought up here was like when people write letters to the character, not to like the staff or to whatever, but they like write a letter to Yishtola and send it over. And while that may sound for some of us to be just ridiculous, right? Why are you writing a letter to <laughs> somebody that doesn't exist? What's actually happening on the other side of that letter is the coolest thing that I think I've ever read, where he says that those letters are given to the people that create those characters. Uh, and like the first times they ever get those those types of letters, they're like usually moved to tears. I thought that was so cool that those letters are actually finding their way to Yishtola, right? Or or to uh, Minfilia or to, to whomever they're writing to i thought that was really really cool uh i i love that the community really embraces um not just the characters but the the developers and the people in the building themselves um it's a stark contrast to the big corporate you know ea where the most you get to see is their logo outside their building or take two um people really are invested in square and the people in that building Having these interviews brings more light to those individuals in the building. And I really appreciate it. And seeing the picture of that whole table with all these candies and notes and letters, um, it shows us that they really appreciate what we do for them as well. Dwarven decking was hilarious, Kronos. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I, that dungeon in general is a pretty cool touch when you get there the first time. Uh, and you see like all the characters coming to help you out. Um, and I, I actually did it like when he told that story, I didn't even really know because uh, I don't know if you know this, but you could do that dungeon a bunch of times and it's always it's kind of different, like who shows up and what they say. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, I don't even think I've seen all the possibilities, to be honest, myself. Um, but I've seen this one, which is pretty hilarious, like the way he talks about how it got in there and how at first he didn't want to because it was a character that he had created. He didn't yeah. want to show bias. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah. pretty cool. I always like to see little nods like that. So it's pretty awesome that they talked about that. Great interview. Uh, check it out right over on the the 14 website. Before we leave you today, I do want to ask you two gentlemen, do you guys play any Square Enix mobile games? I, I mean, I'm not huge on Let's Cover mobile games, but uh, there's a ton of Halloween content going on in a bunch of them, like across all of them. So if you're an Amra Opnia fan or you're a Mobius fan or, or anything like that, there's probably a Halloween event going on. Or I'm not into any of them. I tried Amra Opnia. I tried, uh, what is it, Treasure Keepers? Or Record Keepers. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and both, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not in for the gotcha shit. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. So, not me, not my cup of tea. What about you two? Yeah, I don't, I've tried them, but I don't I don't really stick them out that long. Uh, Record Keeper was probably the one I played the longest, maybe for like a few months. Something about mobile, mobile games, I can never like stay stay in there very long. It's hard for me. Uh, okay. I played Record Record Keeper and Op Opera Omnia, and both of those games, uh, you get to a point where, all right, if you really want to stay kept up, break out your wallet, um, and that's where they just lost me. So um, I haven't really been into uh, a mobile game, but um, Dragon Quest Tactics, uh, hey. Yeah, that's one. I'm kind of looking forward to this, actually. Uh, Dragon Quest Tact, I'm showing you guys the trailer uh, down below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, this is actually confirmed for a global launch. Android's having a pre-registration thing, and you can get early access. iOS does not. 
So if you want early access, you you got to be on Android. I love Dragon Quest. I love tactics games. So I'm definitely in for checking this out. Uh, but mm-hmm. if it becomes like another one of those, hey, gotcha, pool, five-star Dragon Quest weapon, nope, it'll be deleted very, very quickly. But there's definitely enough here that I am absolutely 100% going to check it out. Kronos, um, can, can we get you to bite on it? Tark and I are I'll I'll probably yeah. try it, honestly. Uh, tactics games, doesn't really matter what they are. I usually will tempt them. Um, that's a big like genre that I like that I feel like doesn't get enough love anymore. Yeah. And even though it's a mobile game, mm-hmm. I'll probably still try it out. Um, on this kind of topic, do you guys want to see Dragon Quest X come west? The the MMO has been in Japan for years now. Like, should it come west? It pull the Fantasy Star Online too and come over eight years after it comes out. I don't see why it didn't in the first place. I, well, no, I, I don't think Dragon any Quest of us. Didn't... I don't think any of us you know, would disagree there. Um, but like, is now the time? Dragon Quest is on a little bit of a high with eleven. Then we're getting the the, the new edition of eleven. Then it's coming to the Xbox in December for the first time in a long time. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of on a roll right now, particularly here in the West. I think like if you're going to bring Dragon Quest Ten to the West, I, they're really besides when it launched, there really isn't a better time uh, than now, but I still don't think we're going to see it. Which would be a real shame. I hear the game's really good. Um, I want to see it. Let's play it. Dragon Crest, it's good. Kronos? I think you bring up a good point about the PSO2 thing. That that means, I think that gives it a little bit of a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think they had to put a lot of work into doing that. And I don't know if that's something Square is going to do at this point. Um, but mm-hmm. it, I mean, I think there's maybe a little glimmer, but I, I, I highly doubt it. I, I think we get it. I feel like they'd be hyping it up if that was the case. Makes me sad. Makes me sad. Uh, finally, on the Avengers front, I, you yeah. know, I just keep putting it in the show notes just because it's fun at this point. Uh, the Kate Bishop delay that was pushed out of October on uh, on from the Avengers on our previous show is now sometime before the end of the calendar year. Which means Hawkeye, who was supposed to come just a few weeks after that, is probably pushed back to 2021 now. And then the unknown character that was after that that we all pretty much know was going to be Black Panther. Who knows when the hell that's going to come. As of me putting the show notes together, it's 24-hour peak players on Steam was just over 1,300, but it's the second biggest (sighs) digital launch since Final Fantasy VII Remake. This game's fucking doomed. Like, I, there's just yeah. no other way to say it at this point. <laughs> and Kronos, I know you love comic books, and this game you had hope for at one point, briefly. It is just doomed now. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't see how they recover. I really don't. I, I don't think they could release any amount of characters in this game that's going to bring it back. Remember, Kate was supposed to be just a few weeks after launch. With Hawkeye just a few weeks after that, we should be looking now at Hawkeye coming. So what does that mean for the Spider-Man exclusive? That's not out yet, right? Oh, that's pushed way back. You know the character that uh, basically told Xbox and PC players you're buying an inferior version of the product? That one? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Oh, you're definitely getting a holiday price drop, Prism. You are 100% (laughs) getting a Black Friday, Cyber Monday price drop with probably a bigger price drop as we close in on Christmas. If you thought 
Fallout 76 got cheap fast when Black Friday rolled around just a mere three or four weeks after launch. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a price drop here. 20 bucks. Yeah, let's head over to Love It or Leave It, gentlemen. This is where we talk about a singular Square Enix-related thing, and you tell us whether you love it or you leave it. And while on future segments we may be more specific with this particular topic... Well, that doesn't just because we're talking about it as a broad scope topic today doesn't mean we might get not get more granular with it on a future episode. I want to ask. We talked about Dragon Quest Tact. We talked about Dragon Quest uh, Ten. Uh, I want to know your feelings. Love it or leave it, uh, Tarkoth, on the Dragon Quest franchise. The the entire thing itself has it ever held the allure for you? Is it up there with Final Fantasy for you? Is it just not on your radar? Love it or leave it? The entire franchise itself. So, I have a history with Dragon Quest. Um, while Final Fantasy four was the RPG that brought me in and got me hooked on RPGs, Dragon Quest one was the one that I first played. And I played it from beginning to end. And I played Dragon Quest II from beginning to end. And I thought that was a little bit better. But Final Fantasy IV is where my heart really jumped into RPGs in general. Um, and at that point, Square and Enix were separate companies. Yeah. So I always felt like there was a rivalry. You know, I was a young kid. I didn't know any better. Um, well, and there so was I, at that time. That's fair. Yeah. So, you know, I felt, oh, I got to stick with Final Fantasy, you know, and... I, I, I'm not going with, you know, Dragon Quest. I don't play Dragon Quest anymore. Um, but when they merged together, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll give it a try. And while Final Fantasy is maybe kept more of a serious tone, Dragon Quest, especially with the uh, more recent 3D versions of the games, has become more of the fun and a little bit goofy. Um, I hear Dragon Quest XI is maybe a little bit more mature, but um, I, I like that there's two different styles. Um, and I'm... Uh, this is kind of a little announcement. Uh, with Ready Check Radio, I'm going to be streaming Dragon Quest XI uh, for my first game. Nice. That's coming up Saturday night here on the East Coast. Or Friday night, isn't it? Is it tomorrow night? Saturday night, Sunday morning. Saturday night into Sunday morning, and then you do Sunday night into, or Sunday night into Monday morning as well, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll be coming up um, this Saturday evening, very late evening uh, for us on the East Coast here. But, again putting all kinds of streamers on at different times with different games to kind of cater to all of you uh, everywhere. Super late for, or super early, I guess, for our <laughs> friends uh, over in the UK. But that's fine. Uh, you could check out one of the other streams. So is that that's a love it then, I take it. Love it. All right. Kronos. So I think we're going to get our first uh, disagreement here. Oh. oh. Yeah, wow. so, so, uh, He's about yeah, to throw the whole <laughs> franchise out. I grew up with, uh, so yeah, it's definitely a leave it for me. I'll start there. Um, I grew up with Final Fantasy as well, right? Final Fantasy were like the first one. I remember playing four. Four was like the first one I got to play. I was very young though. Same. Um, and then six, I would say, was where I got hooked. And then seven was where like I had reached the point of no return at that point. Um, I remember going back and trying like the old Dragon Warriors and Dragon Quest, and it just never felt the same to me. Um, and then I remember they tried to kind of bring it back and um, like a lot of the Kira Toriyama stuff. And I was really big into Dragon Ball at the time. So it kind of looked a lot like that. So I tried it again. And I, I don't know, it's just something always felt off. And then I, I distinctly remember, I think it was Dragon Quest Eight came out with the Final Fantasy Twelve demo. Yeah. I believe that's, that's the case. Hmm. And I remember buying that game for $50 with my hard-earned like 
money that I barely had just to play the demo. And then I don't even think I ever got halfway through that game. Oh, <laughs> and a lot of people sad. consider that a lot of people consider that the best one, right? Like or like one yeah, of the better ones. Absolutely. Yeah. It's up there. Um and so I don't know, it's just always been in this weird place for me. Um I didn't even pick up the newest one. I know a lot of people really like it. And it doesn't I'm not saying that the games are bad. They're just never been for me. Um, and I've always just preferred the Final Fantasy and a lot of the tropes that go with that, um, as opposed to a lot of like the Dragon Quest stuff. It's kind of where so I'm at. So I'll leave it. Wow. Yeah. Are we gonna find a new host soon? <laughs> Chat rip Kronos. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give love it. Uh, I love the Dragon Quest franchise. I always have. And eleven. Now I want to go play it because I didn't finish it. So I feel like like as soon as I'm done uploading shit, I should go play it. Uh, yeah. I would stream it, but we're gonna be carving pumpkins tonight. So uh, for Halloween, my favorite holiday. Anyway, um, I absolutely love it. Eleven to me is very very good it doesn't do anything like new or brand new exciting but it, it does more of what dragon quest does and it does it well and i'm particularly gonna love it because i have a feeling that that is going to be square enix's staple turn-based game uh going forward i don't think final fantasy while we may dabble in a little bit of party stuff, I just don't see Final Fantasy releasing a mainline series that's turn-based anymore. I don't think we're headed down that path anymore. So I gotta give Dragon Quest franchise a love it, and we can play them both. So two love it's one leave it. Interesting. Now normally we would have our streamer who will stream after uh, today's show immediately after uh, on the show so that they could talk to you and introduce what they're going to do and, and all that stuff and, and you could hang tight for that today not going to be a stream after the show unfortunately our streamer had some weather that affected power here in the United cool. States so they will be joining us next Thursday uh, for their premiere stream but we've got all of our other streamers coming online uh, so make sure you're following here twitch.tv slash readycheckradio if you head to readycheckradio.com you can just get all of our socials in the upper right hand corner follow everything and please share 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 as we get really get started here today we had like small milestones right celebrating the new channel our first youtube video that hit 100 views that's awesome yay, yay. small the small milestones but they're all good all the milestones guys. Uh, so check it all out. Follow it on Spotify. Share with your friends and all that stuff. But until next week, until next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern here on our Twitch channel, where can everybody find you, Kronos? Uh, yeah, you can find me on my Twitter, which is listed below. I've been streaming a fair amount the last week or so, so if you want to watch me play some like fighting games mainly, um, nice. you can also follow me on uh, twitch.tv slash Kronos is where I've been streaming. So it's been pretty fun. Nice. Really? I've seen your Facebook messages. You're like, this is fun. I should do this more. Yeah. <laughs> Tarkoth. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all at Tarkoth Gaming, and Saturdays, Sunday nights, uh, Radio Check Radio on Twi uh, Twitch, uh, where again, I'll be streaming uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, as Jason points out, JRPD, JRPGs during Japanese time. Perfect. Nice awesome. hit. Nice hit there. Uh, I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me personally there at MagicMan1, M-A-G-I-C-K-M-A-N-N-1 on Twitter. But more importantly, follow Ready Check Radio and spread the word. Help us get these podcasts viewed more. Until next week, stay safe, and we'll see you out on the servers. 